when SpongeBob's working out, he has a sign in his little gym area that is, <laughs> I, I love pain. pain. Oh, you cutie. <laughs> Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. We are about to take our first deep dive into the world of SpongeBob SquarePants at the beginning at episode one, the pilot, which is comprised of three segments Help Wanted, Reef Flowers, and Tea at the Tree Dome. Yeah, we just watched these episodes, Frankie and I, and now we uh, get to unpack them. And not only tell you guys what happens in these episodes, but we're also going to try to talk about some of the influences, some of the things that inspired these mad geniuses that created these iconic cartoons, and we're going to try to be coming up with stuff to ask some of these incredible creators as we get to talk to them in the coming weeks and episodes. So this is it. Frankie, this is our first deep dive. Like you said, I mean, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. All right, y'all. In case you haven't been binge watching SpongeBob, along with Frankie and I, we're going to remind you what the heck happened in the very first episode Help Wanted. The Krusty Krab. Home of the Krabby Patty with a Help Wanted sign in the window. We meet our iconic characters for the first time SpongeBob, Patrick, Squidward, Mr. Krabs. And the way that this brilliant first episode wraps up is that Mr. Krabs, after he sends SpongeBob away on this fool's errand to get this incredibly special spatula, a ton of anchovies just pour into the Krusty Krab, overwhelming him and Squidward. Anchovies. Why? Anchovies! But then the day is saved by SpongeBob because guess what? He actually found the spatula. He comes flying in, whips up all of these crusty crabs, satisfies all of the hungry customers. This is all happening in the first episode. So we're going to go ahead and jump in and talk about it. Here we go. I mean, my main takeaway, Frankie, is that, like, boy, that's just SpongeBob 100%. Like, there was there was no, like, rough around the edges, like, oh, they're figuring out the concept. They just nailed it right out of the gate. One of the first things that SpongeBob says is, like, it is my dream to be a fry <laughs> cook at the Krusty Krab. For years I've been dreaming of this moment. I'm going to go in there, march straight to the manager, look him straight in the eye, lay it on the line, and I can't do this! How can we relate to that? My God, the amount of times I have stood in an audition and been like, no, it is my dream to play mm -hmm. this role. It is my dream to get on Broadway. And when I get up there in that moment, I'm like, ah, I can't do it. Panic, you know? And thank God he has a Patrick right there to, to be like, yes, you can. Turn around, girl. Where do you think you're going? I was just... No, you're not. You're going to the Krusty Krab and get that job. And we all need a Patrick mm -hmm. star in our lives. But even just that first moment is like such a great message. Like how many times have we fallen short of pursuing our dreams? How many times? I can't imagine SpongeBob without Patrick and Patrick without SpongeBob. It's just like they're they're the best example of best friends. Yeah. And that support and positivity, it's part of the show's message. It's so great. Yeah. They're flawed characters, you know? Yeah. Like and they really do. They're both very flawed and they thank God they have each other. They have yeah. a lot of human traits like self-doubt and fear yeah. and anxiety and you know, they need each other to get through some of those things and it's just yeah. like, wow, we're dealing in real themes right away. Thank you so much. Yeah. They Thank approach you. those things you just mentioned, Frankie, with such positivity and such joy that, like, Patrick and SpongeBob love each other for who they are. And SpongeBob and Patrick, they even love Squidward for who he is. Oh, that's, they love that's, him. Right? That's the message of the show. Good morning, Krusty Crew. 
What would you like to order, Patrick? One Krabby Patty, please. If we rewind a little bit before SpongeBob jumps out of the pineapple that is his house. Okay. When SpongeBob's working out, he has a sign in his little gym area that is, <laughs> I, I love, love pain. pain. Gotta be in top physical condition for today, Gary. It's really dealing in like the ultra hetero masculine stereotype <laughs> of like yes. a bodybuilder. I love the detail too that the sign has like a little heart emoji basically. Like it's not yes. even like I spelled out L O V E pain. It's no. like a little heart, you know, that like that's how SpongeBob would do it. He do, he does it his way. He yeah. can totally get into the the bodybuilding world and the fitness world, but he's going to do it the SpongeBob way, which is great. I wonder too if Nickelodeon has ever come out with a hydronamic spatula with port, <laughs> port and, and starboard, starboard attachments, attachments and turbo drive. I want that as a toy. Like why is that not a little <laughs> You know, I think it's true. I would love it as a real thing. Go out and fetch me a, a hydrodynamic spatula with um, port and starboard attachments and uh, turbo drive. And don't come back till you get one. And this fool's errand ends up being the thing that saves the day. That's right. One hydrodynamic spatula with port and starboard attachments. And let's not forget the turbo drive. Another brilliant thing is they bring in this piece of music. This song, this Tiny Tim song, Living in the Sunlight, Loving in the Moonlight, I think is so perfect for this episode, but again, it also sets up like, what's this show gonna be? And that little piece of music tells you it's gonna be weird, it's gonna be offbeat, it's gonna be funny. Uh, Frankie, before we move on from Help Wanted, man, that first uh, iconic pilot, what was your biggest takeaway? Follow your dreams. Don't take no for an answer. I love that. Today's the big day, Gary. All right, so we're about to talk about Reef Blowers, which is the first time we really get to see the Squidward and SpongeBob dynamic play out. It's one of my favorites. It's a very silent film error episode. There is no dialogue. Squidward sees a, a shell that lands on his lawn and kicks it over onto SpongeBob's lawn, which then, of course, just escalates into the reef blower coming out and sand going everywhere and Squidward getting even more aggravated and of course ending with Squidward having the messiest lawn and bikini bottom and Spongebob's looking absolutely pristine. It is a classic episode. Let's get into it. I laughed when Spongebob just like slides on his back around the floor. Wee, 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 wee. To get to his garage was the weirdest, funniest little thing that he does. As a, I'm like, oh yeah, he really is a kitchen sponge. There it is right there. I thought yeah. it was so funny. What makes Squidward Squidward? What would you say kind of defines him as a character? Insecurity. He is yeah. an insecure <laughs> adult. <laughs> if you say so. His ego is never, ever quite fulfilled. And not the type that blows air when you're feeling too hot. The type that wants your autograph on everything they've got. Signature Mr. Tentacles? He is the ultimate figure of non-content with where he is. Oh, that overgrown clam is giving me a headache. I can't even take my afternoon beauty nap. Yeah, and that's why absolutely. the juxtaposition of SpongeBob, who is like so content, so happy, and in the same exact position as Squidward. Mm -hmm. They're making the same amount of money, guys. 
guys. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. the, one's reg- the register, one's in the kitchen. You're making minimum wage. One of them has the best attitude ever. One of them has the worst. Yeah, but what's funny is, like you said, he has everything that SpongeBob has. Yeah, literally li- lives on his same block. Squidward is a character who will always think of it as the grass is always greener on the other side, no matter yes. where he is. In SpongeBob, no matter where he is, he's standing in the greenest, freshest grass, and he's as happy as can be. Maybe we can infuse a bit more SpongeBob and a bit less Squidward. Squidward so, yeah. yeah. And also, by the way, he's got a really nice house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's got yeah, that beautiful man. tub, all that artwork. Like he's got, he's got his life is pretty good. Just gonna say. Guys, we are about to talk about Tea at the Tree Dome, where we get to meet the one and only Sandy Cheeks. So, what's your name? Sandy. So, what do y'all call yourself? I'm SpongeBob! Because Sandy invites SpongeBob over to her tree dome, where we discover that SpongeBob actually requires water to live. <laughs> How about coming over tomorrow for tea and cookies then? Don't be light. Okay, see you tomorrow. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Through the adversity and the situation that is placed in front of them, they still manage to become best friends by the end of this episode. I am so excited. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I love this episode. Rewatching it, my biggest takeaway is I forgot how dang funny it is, dude. I was busting up laughing. <laughs> yeah, it was super funny. And I just, I love Sandy so much. I love, again, talk about taking something for granted. Like, we just take for granted that someone decided to put a squirrel underwater on the show. <laughs> you know, like, oh, we're going to put a squirrel, which is a land animal, as a main character in the show. She will always be in a spacesuit underwater or and live in a tree dome. Like, that's a great idea. It's, it's just, it, I would love to know how that idea came about. Let's try to get into Steven Hillenburg's mind for a second. He designs a character lineup of aquatic characters, including sponges and starfish, which are kind of not often, you know, they're not normal fishes and stuff for cartoons. Then he has a squirrel in a NASA spacesuit, like in an astronaut suit. Why do you think he has her as part of the cast for this show? I mean, I would imagine it has something to do with his fascination with squirrels themselves. I mean, if you think about it, they're they're kind of one of the funniest land animals, and they're also everywhere. I made Texas tea and cookies. Well, come on in. They're really crazy animals. If you've ever observed a squirrel, they are nuts. Literally. Mm-hmm. They're nuts for nuts, <laughs> but they're also just nuts. Spastic, crazy, <laughs> out-of-control characters. Take So I think there is something very appealing about putting a crazy squirrel into this world, and it just works. That energy that you're describing, I feel like that comes through with Sandy's, like, martial arts prowess. Like, that's where that is. But then the other thing I love about Sandy is that, like, she's kind of this scientist. Like, she's really brilliant. And as a kid, I picked up on, I'm like, oh, is she down there because she's, like, studying this other world that she's not really from but she's you know but she's decided to make a home there and she's like 
interacting with, I think that's a beautiful message too, to be able to go to a place that maybe you were not originally from, but to say, hey, this is now my home. So tell me about yourself. It must be fascinating being a sea critter. And I'm befriending the people here, and I'm making relationships and making friends, and, and she finds a way to comfortably live in this dome underwater, and it's such a cool, fun design. It is the funniest thing, Frankie, in the show so far. When <laughs> Sandy asks SpongeBob, are you okay? And he's like, yes, <laughs> I'm okay. You okay? Yes, I'm okay. It's so <laughs> funny and it's so outrageous. You know, there is this massive obstacle to their friendship. Yeah. <laughs> which is that they come from different habitats. Literally, yeah. they both process oxygen differently with different organs. And so how do they how do they make this friendship happen? But they're both so determined that it's gonna happen because I, I think Ultimately, I mean, Sandy's probably very lonely. It's just it's her only friend, and I think that's it's some it's just a beautiful message that I really relate to as somebody who like came halfway through the school year, you know, where you're just like, I am gonna do whatever it takes. Like, okay, you you oh you like soccer? I love I actually I right. love soccer. Right. Oh, you love karate? Oh my god, <laughs> I am a black belt in karate. Are you kidding me? Hey, you like karate too? Oh my gosh. Also, side note, when SpongeBob goes to ask Patrick what's air, <laughs> and then Patrick Patrick has this little like brief flash of brilliance where he's like, Do you mean she puts on airs? That's just fancy talk, SpongeBob. I'm like, he's right. That's he's he's right about that. That I thought and that also, was so funny, but no one says puts on airs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like my grandmother, 95, like probably would say puts on airs. Oh, he's putting on airs. Like I learned what that was probably in that cartoon in I that know. moment. It's so funny. Which is so um, but, funny. But Frankie, you're right. You know, this whole the message behind this episode is like the idea that you don't have to be somebody you're not just to try to impress them. And we've all been there. It's so relatable, you know, and it's so cute the way SpongeBob is like, I just met this girl. She wears a hat full of air. I can totally understand why SpongeBob wants to be her friend. Sandy's like the coolest character in the show so far, you know, so, but it's just really sweet. And thankfully it ends in a nice message where Patrick and SpongeBob are able to be themselves with their little fishbowl of water. If y'all needed water, you should have asked. You know, and the way that they have tea is really funny, like when, they, when, they're, when they're having their tea time, you know, but, um, but just everything that's comedy up to that point where Spongebob is just like literally dying, I think. Yes, <laughs> it's the, literally it's, dying. It's, it's trying to tell you we've got to get out of here. You're doing it wrong. Wait, no. We've got to get out. Tom Kenny's performance and then later Patrick gets to do it. Bill Fagerbaki as Patrick, like they're drying out. And then <laughs> and then we have this that amazing like live action moment where it's just a kitchen sponge and just like a, a dried out starfish, you know, live action. It was it's wild. It's so funny. 
And Sandy's reaction just at the end of the thing where she was like, well, if y'all needed water, you should have just asked. You know, it's so <laughs> simple. You know, we as human beings love to make things complicated. We love to we love that narrative inside of our head that's like that person is not going to accept me if I ask for the thing that I need in this relationship. I mean, this is so relatable to me. And so therefore, like, I'm just not going to ask for it. And then, like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, three, four weeks, months, years later, when you're finally like, wait, you that's how you feel the whole time? That's totally fine. Are you kidding me? You should have just said something. And it's like, oh, and it's such a beautiful message. But here's another great piece of advice, Frankie. When in doubt, pinky out. If you want to be fancy, hold your pinky up like this. The higher you hold it, the fancier you are. How's that? Higher. Like that? Now that's fancy. They should call you SpongeBob Fancy Pants. My cheeks are just smiling, just like remembering this episode that I just recently just rewatched, which is so great. Okay, here's my favorite GIF. One of my favorite GIFs from this episode. It's from this episode where it's a close up on SpongeBob's eyes, and there's that little sweat that's going down his face when he's super dried out. I think it's so funny. It's a anytime I've seen, yeah, it's great. And that's the Ren and Stimpy part of this mm-hmm. show. You know, that's where, like, it's like, oh, of course, you know, the Ren and Stimpy was famous for those super zooms that were super creepy. And, you know, like, right here in the beginning, you know, like, I don't even, is this even considered episode three or is it considered episode one, part three? It's all, it's all episode one. It's all, I mean, this is that first, yeah, the first chunk. There you yeah. go. So episode one, part three, you know, we have already been introduced to these creepy super zooms, which is so Ren and Stimpy. Um, <laughs> and it's great. I love that you love that moment because so do I because it just takes us out of our comfort level and all of a sudden you're like oh that's creepy and weird and then you're like okay we're back that's fun yeah me too so those are the gross-up paintings the close-up gross-up paintings and we hopefully are going to get to meet the painters behind some of those at some point too which is going to be great (laughs) that's amazing I want to still like that I want to gross-up still in my house somewhere I've decided Mm -hmm. oh yeah moment so when I meet them I'm gonna be like hey can I buy one thanks Frankie, we did it. We talked about our first SpongeBob SquarePants episode. That was so much fun, man. Thank you. What a joy going on this journey with you. I'm so excited for the many, many more that we are going to get to do together. And with all of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And I promise we're going to have a lot more fun every single week moving forward. Absolutely. I can't wait to see more of the episodes. But even just rewatching just that first episode, I'm going to quote one of my favorite professors Henry Jones Jr. It belongs in a museum, Frankie. It's a brilliant piece of cartoon history. It holds up so, so, so well. So this has been a joy. Guys, tune in next week for our next episode of SpongeBob Binge Pants. We can't wait to see you then. Bye. That was me actually whistling. So you're welcome. Really good. Really. That also belongs in a museum. Really good.